What's up, everybody? It's Chad again. I'm back with another episode of Ask Chad Grassy Logic. I'm here today with my buddy, um, Larry Love or Ellis Love. Um, thank you for joining me, senor. My pleasure to be here. Finally, I'm a guest on somebody else's show. It feels good. <laughs> and all the years of you having so many guests and everything and doing stuff, now, now you're the guest. So thank you for joining me. And, you know, I'm really glad that, you know, we've, we've got to you know get you on on this episode and everything and it's going to kind of kind of be like more of a patient eccentric show um there's a lot of stuff that you know is kind of you know based on patient stuff that we have for topics and everything but before we get into that you know let's uh let larry introduce himself go ahead larry introduce yourself and give everybody the whole spiel all right well i'm larry love also known as ls love and um in 2010 uh, I started Medical Marijuana Radio, MMJ Radio, here in New Mexico to uh, advocate for the uh, the new program. That was, you know, very early on. There were we were the 13th state, and um, I just felt that uh, since I had been using cannabis and and knew a lot about it, that I would help uh, try to move the uh, the program forward. So I've done over 650 podcasts up on YouTube, MMJ Radio. And uh, there's even though they might be you know a few years old, there's great medical information there. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember listening to some of them back in the day, and you have some really good interviews with people too, and you know some really good information. That's kind of where I'm trying to forward that information to here. You know, kind of you know carry that torch and keep the information going and keep the patients informed, um, especially these days. You know, when our whole market is totally different now. It's not just medical; it's medical and adult use. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about that here soon, you know, about that whole situation that, um, we were, I was talking about earlier today and, you know, it's part of the, the title. So if you guys noticed, you know, there's something in the title and we're going to talk about that soon, but before that, we're going to talk about Larry and get you guys to know who he is, what he's done and everything. And some of you watching probably know Larry, um, you know, he's been a part of the New Mexico cannabis uh, industry for a long time, longer than I have been actually. Um, I was in the army in 2010. So, you know, when, when he got involved, I was, I was still doing my thing um so yeah we've known each other for about what 10 years now or so yeah at least and um you know my thing was to show up at the uh department of health uh, medical cannabis meetings all the time and yeah. and uh not just you know sit there and listen but i would document it and shoot videos and post them so uh, people that couldn't attend uh, could see i would advocate and and speak at each one of these and advocate for the program um you know back in 2010 and 11 um there were dispensaries that were being raided, not here in New Mexico necessarily, but in California, legal dispensaries being raided by all kinds. You know, you, you have state police uh, uh, thing to talk about today here, but we were afraid. I was working for a um, one of the first dispensaries up in Santa Fe and, and managing it for the first couple of years. And and uh, we we were afraid that we could get busted in any minute by by the feds and uh, that's sort of the attitude that we had to take and be aware of at that time it, it wasn't just because it was legal in the state you know the feds still weren't happy with it oh 100 they still kind of aren't but they're kind of in a weird little gray area with us we have a pretty abusive relationship with the federal government when it comes <laughs> to this um yeah because it was it was a weird time um yeah, I remember when we couldn't even share cannabis with another patient. Right. You know, like, you know, it was a no-no. And, you know, doing podcasts and stuff like this and reviews even was, was kind of sketchy um, because the DOH, you know, would, would come down on certain things. And don't get me wrong, the administration we had at the time really ran off of, you know, the base of trying to end the cannabis program in the state. Um, we had eight years of that. And that only ended in, what, 2018 um, or something like that? So um, it's it's hasn't really been that long yet that we haven't had you know something like mm. that. Now it's kind of slowly changing. Well, I used to um, take advantage of situations. Okay, yeah. like for instance, um, I think it was 2016, uh, and uh, I, I was coming out of uh, Walgreens up in Santa Fe, and Susanna Martinez was walking in with one of her bodyguards. And I saw her and I you know, I went like this and then I went and sat down in my car. And then as soon as I sat down, I said, I got to go talk to her. So I got back up and went out. I asked the bodyguard if I could speak with her for a couple of minutes. And, and I, I begged her, you know, to legalize, um, you know, recreational use of cannabis and to make our uh, medical program strong. And I looked her in the eye and I said, you know, this is really a medicine. It helps a lot of people. And she said, yes, I know, but right now is not a good time. And this was when, you know, um, 
uh, you know, the Trump stuff was happening and it was, it, so anyway, I, I, I tried to take advantage. I went and spoke to governor Richardson and sat down in his office uh, earlier than that when he was governor. And I said, you know what? Uh, this was when we had one producer it was called SFI and M and they were the first ones to go out of business as well. And um, I, I went to the governor's thing early in the morning. I said, we have only one producer. We have all these patients. And I was the 343rd patient, by the way, you had mentioned. Oh, wow. It was one of the early ones. Yeah, like 8,000 something. That's like yeah. really, really. So, so he put me together with his chief of staff and I went in and I spoke to him at that meeting. And by that was on a Friday. By Monday, they, they were on the, the road to approving 10 or 11 new producers. Oh, um, of which uh, one of them was uh, Canaceutics. And I want to do mention that uh, Canaceutics uh, uh, was one of the first uh, dispensaries. I was on their original board to help them get that license. They had to have two board members. And um, they are one of the only dispensaries that uh, stuck to the plan, wanted to be medical only. For the last couple of years, they've only sold medical products to medical patients. And unfortunately, they announced like a, 10 days ago that they will be closing up shop on um, the 27th. And uh, right now they're having sales. They have uh, half grams and, uh, you know, for $15 of, uh, uh, of concentrates. And, and their bud is really good bud, by the way. They really grew good stuff. And uh, so they're having a sale. So support them on the way out. It's unfortunate that um, medical only dispensary didn't make it. And uh, we hope that other dispensaries that are, you know, proliferating the the legal recreational use will try to cater to some of us patients that are still here and we need medical products we need syringes we need capsules and topicals and so forth yeah yeah and we were going to talk about candidates later on in the show but you know we could talk about it now um but yeah uh it's unfortunate that it's happening i mean they were one of the first and you know that i want to say one of the first to go too but you know um we called the original people in the cannabis industry or the medical cannabis industry here, the dirty 30. Um, that's one of the nicknames that, you know, they kind mm -hmm. of acquired throughout the years <clears throat> and they were a part of one, you know, I wouldn't say they were dirty 30. I actually went there a couple of times and I really enjoyed the product and the people there, you know, they really did want to help the patients. And at the time, this was like 2015, I believe <clears throat> maybe 2014. And um, I remember getting a little glass jar there and everything. And it was, it was real nice, you know, cause normally, um you don't get stuff like that back in new mexico it was all plastic containers it was all to be honest a couple times i got a couple ziploc baggies uh, mm -hmm. early on for sure yeah yeah i got a few times actually i got ziploc baggies and then labels on it and of course incorrect as shit um but <clears throat> it, it was one of those things that was just weird because why was I getting my medicine in a, in a plastic baggie? And then I go there and I get this little glass container and I was like, perfect. Why don't many other places do this? And it was just a gift for being a first patient. And nowadays that's kind of like the norm, you know, like you see plastic and, you know, um, glass jars all over the place. You know, there's, there's Mylar bags, of course, but you don't see the Ziploc baggies anymore. Thank God. You know, true so. that. Yeah. Yeah, well, so, it, it's, but... it has gotten better. And of course our recreational program has, has taken off tremendously. Um, the sales of medical uh, dispensary sales that are for medical patients have has gone down. I'm sure you've looked at the most recent numbers. Um, so, you know, it, it's just sad because if it wasn't for the medical program and the acceptance of it in like over 40 something states in the United States, um, we wouldn't have the acceptance of recreational. So uh, we owe the medical uh industry a debt of gratitude for everyone who's using it uh, recreationally well yeah i mean since you were here at the beginning of the industry can you share with people how it was trying to acquire cannabis you know as a patient like 2010 2011 like what was that process like well again there was one sfi and m uh and uh they would meet you uh, you would place an order maybe two three weeks ahead of time they would meet you on the side of a road up in Santa Fe or in a parking lot and there would be lines of cars and you would drive through and uh, you would have paid for it. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think, I, I think you paid for it in cash. Uh, and we were in a parking lot over on Cerrios road or, or out on one of the highways to meeting people to, to buy medical cannabis. It was really, really weird. I remember Robert Platzorn who, who uh, worked for, uh, uh, SFI and M at the very beginning, uh, just 
it was just a strange situation. We're talking about 2010, you know, uh, 2011 was when the first dispensaries in New Mexico really started, you know, so uh, it was very, it was tough. No, 100%, because when I got in the industry, well, not in the industry, when I got into the program in 2013, um, it, it was weird because here in the South, because I don't know how it was in the South, you know, if like you even had a chance, choice to do that back then, um, like for SFI to come down to like Las Cruces or Alamo Gordo or something like that and drop medicine off. Because um, at the time when I got in, there was only two places I could get cannabis in the South that was near me, and that was Rio Doso and Las Cruces. And the Las Cruces one was appointment only, so you couldn't just walk in at any time of the day and just, you know, pick up cannabis. They, mm-hmm. You'd have to call, you'd have to wait for them to get there, and then, <clears throat> you know, they're usually paying like $17 a gram or something ridiculous. And um, it was really weird. I didn't like it. I think the next year, things kind of started to slowly change, and I think that's when they started to add a couple of more in the city. And then 2015, 2016, I think is when it really started to form down here. Because in the South, it was just so sparse and just so mm-hmm. nothing was here. Like well, we speak beg in the state, like please add something for the South. Like we so, don't so have anything. Here, here, here was the problem. And okay, in 2010, um, it's it's the checkpoint going down and coming back up, right? Mm-hmm. So um, there was one incident where Jacob White, who then went on to work for. Uh, R. Greenleaf and was a major player with R. Greenleaf. He was working, I'm trying to think what the name of the place was. Um, but uh, he got stopped either going down or coming back, okay? And he got stopped by the feds and he they kept him for hours and hours. Um, and there's an interview that I did of him when he got back, like the next day that uh, uh, you can still hear if you go up on YouTube. It's it's very early on. And uh, that's what we was going through. The feds were still stopping people uh, and, and harassing them. And I, I'm not sure, you know, it's 13 years ago or whatever. And I can't remember whether they took all the medicine or not. But uh, it was it was a hassle to be in the uh, medical cannabis industry here in New Mexico and other places, too. Yeah, and it was actually the reason why the law was written the way it was initially, because it was so strict. Uh, like I said, you couldn't share cannabis with anyone else. Mm-hmm. It was like super hush-hush. You know, it was really hard to even get a doctor to, you know, um, recommend cannabis for you in the first place to get a card. And I, I just remember how strict it was even to grow cannabis, because before they added the, the personal production license, I remember there was nothing like that. They just wanted to make sure that they would tell you just like it has to be here. You want to make sure it's inside and like, you know, it was sort of wink, wink. It was wink, wink at the very beginning. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was wink, wink. And then they added that PPL thing. And I just, I did not like that. Um, Just for the simple fact that, you know, it caused a lot of issues for people who just didn't own their homes. You know, like for myself every year I had to go to my landlord and beg her for a freaking letter so I can grow my cannabis at my house. And now that's no longer the case. And like, I get it or whatever, but there's a lot of other things that, that go under that too as well. I mean, it's just, it's a hassle for people. And like, people shouldn't be bugging their landlords to just grow a plant, you know? And, and most people <clears throat> grow it outdoors. And at the time I was growing outdoors, you know? And so it's not like I was, you know, taking anything in the house. Now I actually own that house. I grow, I've been growing indoors for years, but now we don't have the PPL thing. And I'm actually glad it's gone. You know, I don't know about you. Well, everybody's allowed to grow. Uh, how many plants is it now? I don't even know. Uh, six per adult, no more, than, no more than 12 mature per household. So how many flowering at a time? You can have six? Six, uh, six no more than 12 per household. So okay. if, if two adults live there, you know, you Listen, get six plants mature and immature. Let's be honest, everybody. If if you are growing six plants, you got enough for a year if you know what you're doing. Over enough. I mean, that's a lot. As far as I know, we can, we're allowed to gift two ounces to anybody yeah. per, a, a day. Is that yeah. correct? Okay, and um, so so that that's great. You know, when I was growing uh, last few years, uh, I would always give it away. It feels so good to give it away to people. It, it's just fantastic. So we actually do have a really good program here. Yeah. No. Now the program is a lot better. Um, it's it's improved a lot since you know 2019. I guess is when they changed the the medical cannabis law, and I remember that day because. I, when the law changed at midnight, I did a video uh, with one of the, my buddies and we did a video on how to share cannabis now with your, you know, the other patient because patients, you know, weren't really knowing how to do it the legal way um, because there's a legal way of doing everything. Like yeah. now, you know, transferring cannabis without financial consideration is what we do. To you you couldn't take a cannabis. hit and pass it. You couldn't do that. 
You couldn't no, pass you couldn't. the joint. Like, no, not at all. And it was kind of like a celebration. Like, this is yeah. nice. We can actually do this legally and not have to hide. Um, and the whole reason behind that was the federal government and the fear of. And, you know, that's something that the state has battled with for a long time. And now I kind of feel it's subsided a little bit. But the next topic we're going to be talking about kind of changes our thoughts and ideas on that, to be honest. But before we get on to that, um, there's a couple more questions I really wanted to ask you and everything. Um, so when you started um, MMJ Radio to educate, um, like how I'm doing now, what was like your main focus at the time for like education? Like what do you see patients really needing to be educated on? Well, I, I spoke to patients who were using cannabis and, and giving their experience and their results. One of my first interviews was a woman named Shona Banda. I don't know if you know who that is, but she's famous as, as a Crohn's patient. And she was the one that uh, originally had these old style vaporizers that uh, had the glass ball on top of it and you would heat up and then the sticky stuff would like stick to the glass and, and she would scrape it off. It, it was oil. You know, it yeah, was yeah, yeah. vaporizing oil. And yeah. she would scrape it off and she was eating it. And she was it was helping her Crohn's. I mean, there were people with terrible diseases like Crohn's and others that were just getting great results, uh, you know, from using cannabis. So I wanted people to see that and hear how people were using it. So I had lots of patients on uh, other advocates, uh, uh, Michael Krawitz. Uh, you know, I've had him on at least twice a year for the last 12 years or so. He he um, has been flying all over the world to advocate for the legalization of cannabis as a medicine. And and uh, here in the United States, he's a, a, a vet. He's a, he, he's cannabis for vets. I mean, he's one of the big leading guys that uh, we're trying to get this passed for, for veterans. So uh, all just all kinds of people. It was about educating people who thought that cannabis was, uh, you know, just for getting a buzz. Yeah, so. 100%. That's something that we needed at the time to, to kind of show that. And who knows, that probably helped because sometimes legislators watch this stuff. You know, New Mexico is such a small state that the legislators kind of mm -hmm. have no choice with the, you know, hear what we have to say. I used um, to have Cisco McSorley on all the time early on. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cisco was uh, was uh, advocating. He was a senator here. He was advocating for it, and uh, yeah, he he. Let's not forget Cisco. You no, know, I remember him. I, I got to yeah. meet him a couple times, and um, he did help when I was on the SM one hundred and five task force for uh, from the governor and everything when we were trying to revamp the medical cannabis laws and everything. We were making suggestions, so I got to meet him because he was a part of it. And uh, yeah, real cool guy. You know, he just he got appointed by, you know, MLG to a different position and he's no longer a senator, but good for him. He's doing stuff still for the state and, you know, still doing his thing. So congratulations to him. Um, so are you working with any companies at the moment? You, you mentioned that you're on the board of Canisutics. Is there anything going on? these? Well, days? I, I was on the original board of Canisutics, but yeah. uh, at that time you could be on multiple boards, at least two different companies. Uh, it was early on, and I was on two different companies. Uh, so I resigned from Canisutics when they got their license, and I actually went to work for that other unnamed Santa Fe uh, dispensary that I won't uh, mention who they are. Yeah. But uh, the name rhymes with Schmakerid Martin, and uh, I don't like to mention them. <laughs> so, oh, so, so right now I'm, I'm actually consulting with um, uh, Quantum Labs, New Mexico. Nicholas Montoya has an incredible lab where he's making all kinds of great uh products of diamonds he's growing diamonds that are just incredible 99 percent thca making all kinds of other uh, uh extracts uh products with the uh technical he's got one of the greatest uh, machines around uh, it's like a million dollar machine and just does everything it's all ai and computerized and um also um, i'm a consultant with the uh, roadrunner cannabis and verth health shop up in uh, in edgewood uh they are great they 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 are involved with microgrowers and they, they gather up some of the finest uh, bud around. And uh, they are really, I guess now that Canisutics is going to be gone, really centric on medicine uh, and providing those kind of products for the, also recreational, but they're, they're, they're looking at patients and want to deal with patients. 100%, you know, because that's something that, you know, I've, I've been touting for a long time is let's not forget the patients. Um, and let's ensure that the patients are taken care of at the end of the day, because if we're going to do this, let's do it right. And, and that's one thing that, you know, I kept telling at the beginning because we weren't ready when we passed uh, medical cannabis or, or recreational cannabis in New Mexico on the medical side. Um, we didn't have enough producers. We didn't have enough cannabis. Um, we, we just weren't ready. And, and now we're kind of seeing, you know, those the effects of that. 
uh, we didn't ramp up our numbers at all. You know, we kind of just said, let's go. Yeah. Uh, and so the patients kind of suffered for a little bit. Yeah. Let me just jump in on that because, you know, one of the problems that the state has, and not just this state, but every state that starts, you know, a, a new recreational program is that people uh, think it's a license to print money. So yeah. they come in, uh, they, you know, they make up some name and, and they don't have enough education in business or in cannabis, and they don't come in with enough capital in order to make uh, a business successful. And they're going up against, you know, big MSOs that are coming in and buying up some of the small places. And what we're going to see, you know, with, with all the licenses that have been given out here within the next, uh, you know, 12 months, it's already been, you know, two years, we're going to see a leveling out of the playing field. There's a lot of people that unfortunately came in with dreams and, uh, uh, and they're not going to make it. They just didn't come in right. You have to, you have to be able to uh, spend some money and have some backing. You just can't open up with, you know, what you stashed over the last few years being, uh, uh, you know, a street provider. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, there, there was a lot of misconception coming in um, because all these other states, you know, had six, six, had such success with people doing it. But some of these people really got lucky. They knew what they were doing. They were well-funded. Um, you know, and now coming into the market, those same people kind of came to New Mexico and knew what they were doing and what to expect. So they knew what mistakes not to make. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of people here in New Mexico didn't know that. And like you said, they didn't know enough about business and I'm seeing that now. Um, you know, a lot of these people don't know enough about business. Um, communication sucks to be honest. Um, it's really hard to communicate with some of the people when it comes to the business because it, I don't know why to be honest, but it makes doing business a lot harder. Um, instead of someone just saying, hey, no, we're not interested right now. You know, they just kind of ignore you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of weird and it's okay to get a no, um, you know, that doesn't change anything. So people out there, you know, doing business, don't be afraid to say no to someone, you know, be respectful, but just let them know that you're not interested. You know, don't waste anybody's time. You know, this isn't Tinder. So, you know, this is, <laughs> this is a business now, you know, you're not going to sit there and try to just go somebody, you know, to be honest. And unfortunately you have to deal with that person at the end of the day, because you're in the same industry. Um, so just be professional about it, um, and communicate. I, I don't know if you've experienced the same thing or like lack of communication on certain parts of aspects of the industry or not. Well, you know, as far as, um, you know, bud tenders are concerned, you know, uh, most of them don't have any medical advice that they can give you. Okay. That too. That, that's uh, what I found There's a lack out. of training for, right. A lack um, of training. Yeah. Um, but you know what, uh, it's all going to even itself out. Um, the, the strong will survive. And, uh, you know, it's like some people are actually curing their, their, their bud. <laughs> some people just um, uh, grow it, hang it, dry it. I'm not using the cure word and, and push it out into the public. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, you know, boof out there and uh, you have yeah. to know where to go. There are some good people that really are, are growing some, uh, cannabis that you can consider medicine, but also, you know, really good recreational medicine as well. You just have to search it out and find out who the people are. Yeah. And, and be careful out there, guys. Like, like you said, you know, some stuff is getting through and people have their ways and, you know, there is some moldy cannabis out there. So just be weary um, about where you get it. And, you know, don't just think that because it's cheap or because even have as a, has a name brand, it's not going to have an issue. Just, you know, uh, be safe, be weary, Semper Gumby. Um, so where can people find you, Larry, um, so we can move on to the next topics? And sure. <laughs> well, well, first of all, if, if anybody needs any consulting, uh, you can write me at mail, M-A-I-L, at lslove.com. That's my email address. Um, uh, I'm also, uh, you know, been collecting and, and creating cannabis domain names uh, for the last 12 or 13 or even 15 years. Uh, so, uh, I have a website to where if there's new people coming into the business or you want to rebrand, you can go to 420DN, that DN is domain names.com, 420DN.com. And, uh, there's a list of stuff there. You can, you can call and talk to me about whatever you'd like, but, um, uh, you have to have a good name and a good website, uh, to drive people to your business. And obviously with all the competition, you're going to have to be a little bit different and, and have sales going on and promote yourself. You can't just unlock the door every morning and expect people to come in. 
Yeah, and you have to stand out. Like, you have to do something different. Like, I see a lot of places mimicking Colorado and California with, like, this whole crazy security front desk thing that they don't necessarily need. Um, and it kind of it's, it kind of pushes people away because it doesn't look fun. You know, the places that are cool to go into don't look like that at all. And so, yeah, you're going to have to think outside the box and be different. Don't mm -hmm. be like every other dispensary because you're not going to make it. You know, like I've seen people with $5,000 in sales a month, $20,000 in sales a month, you know, and I don't know how they're still open sometimes. So, you know, um, just, just think outside the box. So anyway, Larry, thank you so much for joining me. Um, that was, that was amazing. We're going to move on to the next, um, next topic that we have at hand. Uh, but again, thank you again. And thank you for your advocacy throughout all these years. You know, I've learned some stuff from you. You know, we've had many years of debating and stuff and, you know, having conversations and sitting there watching legislative sessions together and mm. stuff. And, you know, it's, um, hopefully we can continue that throughout the years, but, you know, I really am glad to have you on the show. Finally, you know, he was my old producer from the last show that I was on last year. Um, so, you know, um, Larry and Gino could probably get together maybe, you know, talk together and figure some stuff out too. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll straight, we'll straighten you out. <laughs> Gino does a good job though. Um, if you guys don't know, Gino actually works on the radio side and um, he's going to Hawaii soon. So right now we're recording this episode a day early. So he's going to go to Hawaii. I already told him a bunch of good spots to go eat. So he should go try. Um, lucky guy. Um, I would wear a University of Hawaii shirt, but I graduated from New Mexico State and we beat UNM last week. So it's kind of a kind of a flex at the same time because Hawaii was my first school. So um, thank you guys again and everything. But yeah, um, thanks again for joining me. And let's uh, move on to this next topic here. Um, so this next topic, I'm going to be talking about um, the state police here in New Mexico. And I don't know if it's just the state police or if it's local authorities or if it's sheriffs too as well. But um, there's a YouTube video that I'm popping up right now. And this YouTube video, and we'll show you at the beginning so you can kind of get an idea of what we're talking about. And this video was uploaded recently by New Mexico Body oh, Cam, sorry. and that's the name of the account. Wait, pause it real quick. Thank you. Um, and uh, in it, a guy got pulled over. He was going over 90-something in a 75. He was going on I-40, which in New Mexico, if you guys don't know, or in the United States, um, I-40 goes horizontally across the nation. I-25 goes vertically up and down. So he was on I-40, you know, coming from Gallup, and he was going, you know, that direction i think east and the cop pulled him over going you know 90 something and the whole time the guy was really shady and sketchy you could tell he was very nervous and then him and his chicks you know story didn't you know add up however the reason why i'm showing you this is because this officer also happens to be a homeland security drug task force agent now to for me i didn't know that was possible i didn't know that they could have two different jobs and enforce Two different types of law state and federal law at the same time um so i guess we'll watch this video real quick and we'll, we'll figure out you know what's going on and you know you guys can kind of get a gist of what i'm talking about no 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 you're good man um so before you take off okay i gotta address something real quick so in the car i'm getting an odor of marijuana okay have you guys been smoking no, in the car no way okay so have you guys had any marijuana in the car anyone smoking around it okay um where did you guys stay while you guys were in Gallup? He's at a hotel and my cousin, there's like these trailers. I don't really know that I just like, so you know, there's the middle exit. Okay. We stayed at the Holiday Inn. Holiday Inn? Holiday Inn, Okay. And uh, was your mom with you the yeah, entire she's time? With, she's been with me. She's been with you this yeah. entire time? Okay. And you haven't smoked any no, marijuana? Because you just showed me the THC. No, yeah, like, we don't, I, I was going to buy a thing, but like, look. Do you see, like, the thing right there? I don't have a battery to smoke. No, no, I, I get it. Yeah. But, uh, it, the, I'm just saying it smells like that. My, my mom does have a marijuana card. She has a marijuana card? Yeah, but okay. there's no way we would have smoked because... Did you guys smoke and then get in the car kind of thing? No, we haven't smoked at all. Okay. And actually, she's not even feeling good. She's not feeling good? Yeah. Okay. So, look, man, I'm a task force officer with Homeland Security, yeah. okay? So, that odor of marijuana gives me probable cause to search a vehicle. And what about, what, uh, um, she has a medical marijuana card. So technically... Do you have a medical marijuana no, card? No, I don't smoke. Like, I haven't smoked. I smoke, but like, I yeah. haven't been able so, to. So just based off that smell, I'm going to be searching the car, okay? Right. Is there anything illegal in the car? No, like, what's it called? Um, like, she has a medical marijuana card, so like, technically, I'll commit search, right? I'm sorry? She has a medical marijuana card, so like... So... 
Yeah, that, that, okay, yeah, that's yeah. fine. She has a medical marijuana card, but the car still smells like it, and you're in possession of the car. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know, but like... So, like I said, I'm going to search the car. Is there anything illegal in the car? Uh-huh. Is there any large amount of U.S. currency? No. Over like $10,000? No. Is there any firearms in the car? No. Is there any methamphetamine in the car? Is there any heroin in the car? Is there any cocaine in the car? Yeah. Go ahead and all right, cool. So I just wanted to give you guys a gist of what we're trying to, you know, to get at in this video. So this officer pulled this guy over and um, the guy's nervous the whole time. His stories aren't matching up. You know, he, he said like five different places he stayed at while he was in Gallup and then finally said like the day's in or something. And, you know, it, it just sounded shady the entire time. <clears throat> now, the cop uses the excuse of, you know, he sells smells cannabis. And in the state of New Mexico, smell of cannabis alone isn't probable cause unless you're the driver. Um, and he told him he was going to search the vehicle. And then he told him that he's a Homeland Security drug task force officer. He shows him some idea or credentials. You can't really see it that well in the video. Um, so I'm not too sure what it looks like to me. This seems like, okay. So this guy in the video, he did actually have fentanyl and he did have some heroin. Then the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because this could be dangerous to residents here in New Mexico who are following the law, um, who, happen to have cannabis that they bought at a legal dispensary or grew it themselves or whatever. They're over 21, have a medical cannabis card. Now you're telling me that a state police officer who has these credentials as a Homeland Security Drug Task Force officer as well can pull me over and charge me with a federal crime and harass me and do this all this other stuff just for the sole fact that he is pretty much working for the federal and the state government at the same time, uh, how does that? What do you think about this, Larry? I mean, it's, it's well, kind of crazy. My first thought immediately is that there's a conflict of interest there, because yeah. um, state law uh, allows you know certain things, and federal law obviously doesn't allow cannabis. It's still a, a um, Schedule One drug. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. You probably know more about this. How long ago was this uh, event, by the way? So this looked like it happened earlier this year. I'm not too mm-hmm. sure. There's not too many details, um, right. like the information and stuff and everything kind of just came out not long ago. This one came six days ago. So this so, video came out six days ago. And I think the incident happened months ago because mm-hmm. I think in the video somewhere they mentioned the date or something like that or a time period. So um, do you know the outcome of, of was this guy arrested? How much oh, fent- what was found in the car? Uh, if you go back to the video, it actually shows you how many, what he got caught with. So he had 160,000 fentanyl pills and a kilogram of heroin. And of course, he had cannabis with him as uh-huh. well, which they put mar- as marijuana, which tells me something uh-huh. odd. Because here in New Mexico, most people call it cannabis. Uh, we don't call it marijuana. Um, and that's just even the news and everything like that. Um, so it's, it's worrisome that this is now the case. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but... This is worrisome because now you have to worry about not just the border checks harassing you for this. Now you have to worry about the local state PD who is now using some loophole to get around state law to enforce federal law in order to search your cars now. Now Mm -hmm. I get it. He did have a lot of other illegal drugs that he shouldn't have. And I've had cops tell me this directly. I use cannabis or the smell of it because it leads to other things. Mm -hmm. And I don't find that to be right because now you're discriminating against the cannabis person because of the fact that they just use cannabis now you're assuming that majority of the time they're going to have even more drugs or even harder drugs or something like that when that's usually not the case because uh, it's just not yeah what was the uh, outcome do you know the outcome of the uh, the situation he got arrested yeah, he oh, got arrested. Has there been any legal uh, courts or things? I have no clue. Okay. I mean, everything so on this is still new. The question would be, was that a legal search and seizure? Okay. Did, did the cop illegally search that car because of the yeah. smell? And, of course, again, um, yes, he had some illegal stuff there. But you know what? People you know, have been searched illegally before, and that shit gets thrown out. Okay, the cop may or even if they do, sometimes it does because of something like that. Right. So it'll be interesting to watch this case and to Mm -hmm. see uh, whether state law trumps. Oh, I hate to use that word. uh, uh, Federal law or not. Okay, that's that's what's going to happen with that. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. And, you know, this could be something that could possibly either see a change in state law or go to 
New Mexico State Supreme Court because this seems a little weird. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've talked to other people and got their opinions, and I really want everybody to, to come up you know, to your own conclusions on the matter. And, and to be honest, we're still learning information about this case and what happened and everything, so we don't have all the details. So there's really no like definitive thing what's going on. I mean, who knows? The police officer could have been wrong, or who knows? The police officer could have been right, and now we're all screwed because... Now the state's going to send a bunch of federal officers to drug task force training or whatever. And then, you know, they're just going to start arresting a bunch of New Mexico citizens for having cannabis. Um, And and to me, it's kind of a slap in the face to us because we worked so hard with our state legislators to get this passed and thought we're good. Now we have to go back to another mindset before cannabis was legal, where we were afraid to drive on the roads um, with cannabis, even as a medical cannabis patient. Um, You know, and now that fear is coming back because... We can't even be like, well, it's legal in the state. Why am I being harassed? Now they're just going to be like, well, I'm also, I work for the feds, so I can mm. fuck you over if I want. Bend over, buddy. And so it's a slap to the face to us. And it, it's kind of kind of pisses me off a little. I'm not going to lie. I, I wonder what kind of training, federal training these guys get, if any, or else it, it's, it's just a vanity uh, job. Yeah, I don't know. I, and I don't know if it's just... Yeah. The DEA and the Border Patrol is just irritated with how much weed's going on, that they're just, you know, like, hey, guys, you want to work with us? And maybe the state doesn't really even know this is going on. I have no clue. But the video shows right there that this guy said, I, I'm with Homeland Security. I'm a drug task force officer with them. And mm-hmm. since you have weed, I have the right to search your car without a warrant. And I don't give a shit about state law, even though he's in a state police car and a state police uniform. Yeah. So it's kind of confusing because now, like, okay, like, so are you a state police officer or are you a federal officer? Like, Mm -hmm. which one is it? You know, you can be both at the same time. That's a little weird in my opinion. And I don't think that should be the case. And if that is the case, I think the law needs to be changed where we have to bar local authorities from working with federal agencies in such manner. I'm not I'm not going to sanction the fact that the the person that was arrested had all that fentanyl and and other stuff okay i mean yeah, that, that's a whole different deal this guy took his chances by by dealing in that stuff and carrying that stuff with him mm-hmm. in a car so you know again is it, whether that was a legal search or se- and seizure will have to be played out in and but um you know cannabis you know gets a bad rap you know that it, it leads to other drugs um, however, we know that cannabis is really a gateway out of other drugs. Yeah. You and know. it's unfortunate that, you know, a lot of people that deal with this still haul cannabis or whatever, mm-hmm. and that gets put in that with it because of the federal, you know, legality of cannabis. And, you know, maybe end of this year, next year, they, they might reschedule and, and this might change. And I, I really hope to God they deschedule. I do not. Let me make this clear. I do not want rescheduling. I want descheduling. Rescheduling is just what we yes. might be dealt with. Well, you know that you, end of the you, day. you know we're not going to get what we want, right? No, exactly. And that's okay. what I'm trying to let people know. And like, oh, we don't want rescheduling. We want right. descheduling. I mean, I get it. Well, but schedule, let's get to reality. Schedule three is, is really uh, uh, going to be a problem. And that's probably where it's going to go. 100%. So we, we I, can you can do a whole nother show on that at the, whenever. I've been so. keeping people up yeah, on that one, yeah, one hundred percent. No one's not ignorant to that uh, subject right now. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much what I had for this. There was another part of the video, but it pretty much just confirmed, you know, the, the guy saying that he's a drug, you know, drug task force officer, et cetera, et cetera. I'm gonna leave the link for this video in the description. Um, it, around seven minutes is seven fifty five is when he starts talking to the guy and telling him that you know he's an off, you know, federal officer. And then around 11, 10 minutes is when he's, you know, walking up to the car to talk to the lady and telling her the same thing that even though you have a medical cannabis card, um, I'm a federal drug task force officer and I'm allowed to search the vehicle. So I'm going to search the vehicle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so if you guys want to watch the video for yourself, come to your own conclusions, please do. Again, I don't condone what these people were doing, but at the same time, it gave cannabis a bad name um, and it makes all of us in the cannabis industry and the users targets. Um, and that's scary because now... We can't even drive down our own highways past the border check that we just got, got harassed from by without worrying that a state police officer isn't also going to be a federal drug task force officer and try to screw us over in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so please abide by all laws. Go the speed limit. This guy was literally going 90 something miles an hour in 75. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like look, look, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, what the F? I mean, this guy, yeah, he was know, asking um, for trouble. 
You are. You're at that point. You're asking if, for trouble. If you know so. you're carrying that kind of illegal stuff, I mean, you yeah. go five miles under the speed limit. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. These and, are and tips for drug smugglers that we're giving out. <laughs> and don't ever talk to the police, guys. You know, it, it, there's one tip there that I've been told over and over and over. Do not talk to the police. And this guy is a prime example of what you do not do when the police ask you questions. Um, there's uh, the Pop Brothers at Law. They have this whole shut the fuck up thing going on where, mm-hmm. you know, they, they really teach you how to encounter your encounters with the police, what to do and what to say. Um, especially in situations like that, because they're going to try to act nice and price stuff. And, you know, they're going to use everything against you, just like it says when they arrest you in Miranda rights. Well, you know, everything you say can and will be used against you. So just shut the fuck up. As a former uh, intelligence officer, you know how people can ask and phrase questions in a certain way to make people open up. So, yeah, yeah. and cops don't like it when I use that against them. They get pissed. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're going to move on from that topic, guys. That's all I really have for that for now. Um, if any more information pops up, I'm going to sit, share it. Um, it's been a topic that today, you know, the time of recording, because this is going to come out tomorrow. Um, today, currently, this is one of the topics that I was talking about on my social media. So if you follow me on my social media, you're actually getting a hint of this um, that is going on real time. Uh, but I just really wanted to talk about it, kind of give some viewpoints and clarify some some things on it, too. Because like I said, I don't condone, you know, smuggling fentanyl and heroin. I, I, absolutely not. But what I am saying is that there's a legal thing that is allowed in New Mexico and that's cannabis. And now we don't even know if that's really legal because of the cops finding loopholes of trying to enforce federal law now. Um, so yeah, but anyway, we're going to move on to the next topic. Um, and it's the last topic of the show, actually, uh, Cheech and Chong are actually working with another cannabis retail establishment in the state. Um, do you want to guess which one it is Larry? Uh, well, I think I might know, but you go <laughs> ahead. Okay, so they're working with Dreams Cannabis Dispensary. And if you guys um, don't know or know, a few weeks ago, I actually visited Dreams Grow. Um, they invited us over, you know, because they had some um, allegation stuff or whatever. And they invited us over to check the grow out. And they're actually working with these guys. We did a whole video. It's on the NM Area 420 page. And you guys can check that video out there. I think I have it pinned to the top so you can check out their grow um, and come to your own conclusions. So um, it looks like they're working with the Dreams Dispensary um, and they're wanting to bring high quality cannabis, is what the article said. Um, but this really just seems more or less like the same partnerships that Jim Belushi had here in New Mexico, where it's just going to be working with the farm or getting their products and then making their own products for it. Now, what I really would like to see, and I just thought of this, is I know Cheech has a chichalada, which is a michelada, which has no beer. It has cannabis in it. Now, that's something I would really like to try and see in the state. So that's kind of cool. Um, so I hope something comes cool from it. But, you know, we'll see. So what's your thoughts on this? Well, you know, I'll tell my quick cheat story. Um, you know, oh, living, there you go. Li- living in L.A., um, uh, I got to meet a lot of people. And so how long I, did you live there? Uh, almost 30 years Holy from shit. the time I was 18, you know, and first started smoking marijuana summer 68. And, uh, you know, it, I you know went on from there. It's been 55 years I've been using cannabis. So um, my family had an antique store in West Los Angeles and um, Richard Marin, who's Cheech, uh, was a customer and he came in and bought stuff. And so um, uh, I went out to deliver some items to his house on Malibu on uh, Pacific Coast Highway. And he had this wonderful house right on the beach with with a pyramid on top of it and and like a, you know, a deck. Okay, so uh, I I brought a joint with me just in case. And uh, so uh, we went up on on his deck looking over the Pacific Ocean. And I remember exactly what it was at the time. It was the gold Colombian that came in. It was yellow. It was like as yellow as your logo up there. And uh, I got to smoke a joint with uh, Cheech up on his roof. That's my story with Cheech. Um, and, And you know what? I those guys more than anybody else were open and, and made cannabis an open thing, like it was no big deal, you know? And we owe them a, a really debt of gratitude for being so open at a time where people were getting arrested. Look, uh, Tommy got arrested for selling glass, for selling glass. He and went it wasn't even prison. his, it was his son's business. Yeah, well, they were yeah. together in the business. Anyway, and, and, and Paris is a really nice guy as well. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but, but, you know, he, he did time for selling glass. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where we were at. It wasn't even glass that had been used. It was brand new, unused right. glass. It's right. crazy. Bon- bongs and so forth. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, they are iconic. They're instrumental. The fact that you know they're still—I guess they're in their eighties now. 
uh, and and that they're they're out and they're 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 sort of finally being able to capitalize um, on the help that they gave us to uh, proliferate the, the cannabis to the public. So uh, I, I, yeah. I'm glad that they're seeing this now in their yeah, lifetime. Yeah, me too. I'm glad that they're they're doing something here in New Mexico. Um, people are starting to see that you know New Mexico has something good going on. Hopefully, we can continue that and not harass our um, local citizens. And um, we can continue to be a model for the rest of the states that are looking to regulate cannabis at the, you know, at the adult use level. Um, no one's done it 100% correct yet. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's still some stuff that needs to be fixed, added, et cetera. That's with anything. Um, but seeing stuff like this shows us that we're on the right track. You know, because if this, we weren't, then we wouldn't see all these celebrities jumping into the market here. We got Jim Belushi now, we got Cheech and Chong. And Cheech and Chong was working with, I believe, Pure Life on something else before, but I think it was more on promotional stuff. I don't I know if it was on um, getting products of their own line here in the state. I'm sure there may have been talks, but as far as I know, um, I, that wasn't the case. Right. By the way, speaking of um, the Blues Brothers, and I already told you I smoked with uh, Cheech, yeah. um, I actually... Uh, smoked with Danny and John Belushi um, at the Radio and Records concert at the Century Plaza Hotel in 1980 uh, in, the, in their room. A friend of mine uh, knew, knew John, and uh, so, yeah, I got to smoke with those two guys as well. Man, you got to smoke with a bunch <laughs> of cool people. And I always bring my own, so they get to yeah. smoke my shit. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's that's great. So, like, how was it smoking with um, with the Cheech and Chong, with Chong, or Cheech, excuse me? Yeah, I, I, I've never met Tommy. I saw him walking around West L.A. once, but uh, but uh, it was it was look, it was 50 years ago. So, you know, do I remember every minute of it? No. But, you know, it was just a quick thing and uh, uh, just, you know, part of my cannabis stories. Yeah. Catalogs, actually. I there call you them. go. Canalogs. So, and I and I am rebranding uh, medical marijuana radio uh, to catalogs. Uh, in the next few months, I'm going to start up uh, some new interviews, and uh, I'm going to start off by doing something I call on the backs of the OGs. Okay. okay. Speaking of Tommy and and Richard and 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 the, and the Blues Brothers and all that stuff, uh, this industry has been built on the backs of OGs. I'm going to interview these OGs before they pass along. One of the interviews that I'll probably rebrand is with Lynette Shaw. Uh, it's up on my uh, MMJ Radio YouTube right now uh, as the last interview that I did before I'm rebranding. So a lot of these people need the recognition that they that they gave this cannabis industry a, a kick in the butt when it wasn't popular. Yeah, yeah I mean, there, there's so many people out there. I mean... There's one, we have the SE Awards. Um, yes. I kind of feel that the SE Awards needs to start giving a brief history on who SE was at yes. the beginning of the award ceremonies because there's just so many more new people um, in the industry. And it's no one's fault. It's just the fact that, you know, we came into an industry and we all knew, um, but now it's a new industry and there's a bunch of new people from out of state who yeah. have no clue who SE was. Let's not forget SE, Valerie Hubbard. There's yes. a lot of people that were advocating and speaking down at the roundhouse and trying to get this uh, legal back in the day. Yeah. We can't forget those people. Yeah. Valerie Hubbard, you know, one of the mothers of the you know, cannabis industry, you know, I look up to her a lot and she's one of the, you know, one of the few, one of the, one of the women who got me started in the advocacy stuff. And I look up to her a lot and, you know, she kind of cheers me on sometimes and she's still there. So if you yeah. guys ever see Valerie Hubbard, give her a hug. You know, she's one of the ladies who um, really got cannabis going here in New Mexico. She's uh, She got popped back in the day, did some time. And then even when yeah. she was in the safe house, they came and picked her up. The Drug Policy Alliance and said, we need to get cannabis legal here. And so uh, she's one of the reasons why we have medical cannabis in the state. And uh, I can't thank, you know, people like her enough. So, but um, with that being said, you know, um, we, we couldn't have any of that without, you know, the Cheech and Chong guys, you know, because I remember the movies, they were just making fun of it making fun of, you know, the drug war. They'd make fun of the cops. You know, it was that one guy, he turned into a lizard after smoking <laughs> certain weed or something like that, something stupid. Um, so, yeah, without guys like that and without people like, you know, Valley Hubbard and, you know, uh, SC here in New Mexico, we wouldn't be where we are. So I thank them so much. And good luck to Cheech and Chong. Um, they do have their own separate company, so they're working with Dreams on this. And so we'll, we'll see what happens. Normally what they do is they work with these companies to use their cannabis and then they... Um, pretty much just white label it and, you know, give them the recipe or their cultivars from another state because, you know, they can bring clones and seeds and stuff like that. So I have no clue what the details are exactly. And we'll figure out more here soon. So um, before that we end that and we go to bonus info, you got anything on that, Larry? 
Uh, nothing more on that, but let's not forget the convention that's coming up too. And that's what's going on with the bonus info. So okay. let you guys know, here's one of the events going on this week. If you guys aren't in the know, the Lucky Leaf Expo is going on in Albuquerque from Friday to Saturday, um, 23rd to 24th, I believe, or the 22nd, 23rd. My days are all messed up. Yeah, I'm gonna Friday be and Saturday. Yeah. yeah, Friday and Saturday. I'm going to be in Albuquerque this weekend for something else. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make the Lucky Leaf Expo. Um, but if you are, go. It's great. I went to the very first one. There's a lot of great uh, seminars there. A lot of great companies that help you out. You know, if you're looking for lighting, even if you're looking for an RO system, um, the state will give you rebates on certain lights, electrical, and certain water stuff too. Uh, so keep that in mind. You're putting money up front, but you're getting some money back um, via the rebate. And certain companies that could be there might help you even with that process of the paperwork and everything. So um, it's a good thing to go to. It's great to um, really just talk to people, get to meet more people in the industry, network. Um, and it's great to learn some stuff. I've learned some sure. stuff at the first one and I'm going to try to go to the next one. This is like the second one they've done this year, isn't it? Uh, yes. There were, well, there was yeah. Canacon, um, in May. Okay, that was a different one. organization. Um, yeah. I went to that and I, uh, you know, I, I shot videos and you can see them up on uh, Instagram, MMJ at MMJ radio. And I also shot videos for the lucky leaf uh, the previous time. So if you want to see what it's like, you can go look at those videos. And, uh, if you see me at the convention, I will be shooting videos of, of patients and also of some of the booths and new products and so forth. So uh, come say hello if you're at the Lucky Leaf convention this weekend. Awesome. Yeah, go say what's up to Larry. I always do when I see him. And uh, I mean, I say hey to everybody up there up north. You know, I got all the, the old, old OGs up there, the cannabis industry from the medical days that I love to see and everything. So hopefully I'll get to see some of them this weekend at the other event I'm at. Um, maybe I can get to the other conventions and maybe Crucis will have its own big convention one day with a bunch of seminars and a bunch of companies like that. So we'll see. Um, but anyway, that's everything I have. Larry, do you have anything to, uh, before we get out? Uh, no, just thanks for the opportunity. Uh, if uh, people are looking for uh, uh, great cannabis domain names, uh, especially for lounges and for, uh, and for dispensaries, it's 420dn.com. Again, my email is mail at lslove.com. And uh, I thank you uh, for getting me back on the air after a long time. Oh, I mean, I appreciate you being on and I can't wait to see how the rebrand goes. So I'll be looking out for that, Larry. Thanks for showing up again, man. My pleasure. All right, guys. I'll see you next week. Peace.